Hello, and welcome to Talking Smack with Never Monday. I'm Steven, and we're here tonight to talk about music and cigars, as per usual. Stogies and strums, panatellas and practice. And I'm here with Gary. Howdy. Mac. What's up? Katie. Hey. And a special guest tonight, our bass player, Lenny. Yo. Yeah, that's Lenny. Yo. You're talking to me now. He's talking to me. Yeah. So tonight we're going to be a little bit more rapid fire. Hopefully it's a funnier podcast because we're going to be talking our most embarrassing stage moments. Uh, Every musician has those. But to start us off, what are we smoking? I'm smoking a very simple cheap stick from Cigars International, uh, Sancho Panza. Not a lot to this one, but it somehow got a 91 rating from Cigar Aficionado, so I'm never trusting them again, but it's still <laughs> <laughs> it's still a, a pretty good cigar. And uh, Mac is breaking the mold, and he's smoking cigarettes, so we won't talk about him. Yeah, don't talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> and Gary, what do you got tonight? I got my, my old favorite, uh, Chunky Kentucky Fire Cured by Drew Estate. Oh, those are delicious. Okay, and uh, across the board, seems like we're drinking Elysian's The Men's Room, red. And blue moon. And blue moon. moon. And, blue moon. Blue moon. Okay. and sparkling water, because I'm the weird one. Teetotaler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so really quickly before we move on, we played a show a few nights ago, the Oli Underground, downtown Olympia. Thank you if you saw us there. If you want to see us perform coming up soon, you can catch us at Capitol Lake Fair July 14th at 3 p.m. on the main stage at Heritage Park, downtown Olympia. And then the parade is right after that. So come down that Saturday, see us play, see the parade, have a fun time, and check us out at Number Monday Band on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that we're on Radio Public, Breaker, Anchor Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Apple Podcasts. So, represent all the platforms. Starting out this evening, most embarrassing moments on stage. Everybody's had one. At well, least. Uh, at least one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the last time we talked about stage fright, and this kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, Barbara Streisand famously struggles with stage fright because she forgot the lyrics to one of her songs way back in the late 60s one of her own songs she forgot the lyrics to on stage and then stopped touring for a while and had like panic attacks and saw a therapist because her stage fright was so bad for forgetting her own lyrics now she still performs but she only does it with a teleprompter Ah. so can we have teleprompters? yeah that'd be good so, you know, Barbara Streisand, lover or hater, um, your embarrassing moment hopefully has not wrecked your life the way it wrecked her performing life. But let's just start going around. Uh, whoever wants to start, your most embarrassing stage moment. Um, well, I didn't. Re- it's not really a moment. It's just kind of throughout my high school career. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't make any playing mistakes or anything like that, but after the performance, the band director had us all stand up and bow, and I would never bow, so I'd be the only one who never bowed, and I just felt weird 
But then I tried bowing once, and that also felt weird, so I just kind of stood there awkwardly. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah, there's that. Uh, Well, off the top of my head, I mean, I get a picture of me looking off to the side last time. (laughs) (laughs) And and the comment Stephen made was just funnier than heck. I mean... (laughs) You're like, what was I looking looking at? (laughs) I was like, probably my gorgeous booty. (laughs) (laughs) Now you see why I laughed. Right? <laughs> no one can blame but, you. Yeah, no, no. Uh, so I guess that would have been embarrassing if it's true. But however, <laughs> embarrassing for whom? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, well, I guess I guess embarrassing. Uh, it's just something we all learned. Uh, you know, controlling the speed of you know or, you know the tempo. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a song, you know, ba- uh, it, uh, in church. And it was a, it was an actual bass solo, and and it 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 started off normal, and I took off on it, and then it was a, it get, ended up being a train wreck, and it was you know it, it was something that was embarrassing, but you know, it just, what can you say? It just happens. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, for sure, just a train wreck. But it, it, it you know it, it was longer than it should have been. And by the time by the time I got done it was I mean you you couldn't fix it it was that bad <laughs> so anyway. yeah. I've got like three so in between people I'm just going to share one of mine and then I'll share another after somebody else uh, probably one of my first most embarrassing moments was one of the first times I ever played in church I wasn't really good with rhythm or anything yet I've been playing for like maybe three or four months and they're like, oh, you play guitar? Come play in church. Okay. You know, what could be a safer audience? But this is this is a moral of a story. Make friends with your sound guy. Because if you don't, you have no way to communicate to him that something's going wrong. And we played a song. It was just one song. It was the special music. Youth band got to play the special music. And... I got up there and we played and it seemed like the sound guy turned everybody off but me. Oh no. <laughs> it's like everybody else was down real low, even the vocals were down real low and all I could hear and all anybody in the audience told me they could hear afterwards was my guitar and I was nowhere near good enough to be like the example. Oh no. Yet. So then it was just like me out there. We talked about it last night, picture the audience in your un- in their underwear. That was like the reverse moment for me. I felt like everybody was seeing me in my underwear. Yeah. Um, it was Rip. just out there, like, naked and afraid. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, you know, that, that was bad. Um, I still have nightmares about that, and I was 14. Yikes. <laughs> so. that's, that's a good one. Well... Um, I think I mentioned this in our last podcast, but the one time I stopped in the middle of a song to make a note on my, <laughs> my sheet of music, that was pretty embarrassing. Like you would have practiced, but yeah, really uh, yeah. Right, yeah. I like just totally spaced that I was actually performing. But um, probably the most, em- I have a few, but the most embarrassing I've ever felt was um, in choir in college. Um, I was given a solo, um, but the director gave the solo to like three people and we were supposed to rotate and um he never almost never let me practice 
in practice and then he never let me perform it and he gave me one opportunity to perform it and I just totally botched it because I you know he hadn't given me adequate time to prep for it I wasn't used to doing solos you know like I'd practiced but there's just a you know I my stage fright got the better of me and I just totally botched it and just wasn't getting the guidance I needed and now looking back on it I can see that I wasn't getting the guidance I needed mm. but at the time I felt like it was all on me and I was just totally devastated hmm. it was you know yeah. and nobody cares it was like in the middle of nowhere in Utah or something in this little church like you know it, it didn't matter but it was pretty you know it, it was a big blow to my self-esteem it was like this little podunk uh mormon church out in easter Washington. <laughs> that was that a we, different one that was a different one <laughs> we had to and like that of course, one was kind of embarrassing for all of us that was just embarrassing being there <laughs> we're like performing for this congregation of mormons and we're you know we're in their gym because we're not allowed in there they're you know whatever and they're just they're, all sitting uh, there like with arms crossed just kind of stony faced watching <laughs> us it was so You're awkward like, i thought you were mormons not quakers <laughs> yeah. so awkward. it wasn't so much that they were mormons i think it was that they were eastern washingtonians <laughs> you know like stuck in the 90s because half the women were still wearing like overall dresses like denim overall dresses mm-hmm. And there was one lady who was, like, sitting in the front row, this scowl on her face. She looked like a frog. I remember thinking she looked like a frog. She had, like, a really wide mouth and, like, eyes that were way too wide apart and a big nose. And sitting there with arms crossed with a scowl on her face and critiquing every single song we sang when we were done. Like, everybody else would clap and she would turn to the choir director and, like, offer her advice. Oh, yeah. It was super awkward. (laughs) It was pretty bad. Um... Well, my my second one definitely relates to uh, being in choir (laughs) in college because I was in this uh, course, and Katie took it later as well, called Choral Pedagogy, where you learned how to direct the choir, Mm -hmm. things like that, and it had to do with some conducting. And one of the things we had to do was go go to the choir that we were in and conduct a piece during a rehearsal. And we were doing a piece by... Handel, I think it was Handel. It wasn't the Hallelujah Chorus, but it had Hallelujah in the name. I can't remember exactly what it was. And it was in 4-4. And I started it in 3-4. Oh, no. And I was conducting in 3-4. And I was able to, like, laugh it off, but you're standing in front of 40 of your classmates who are Christian college music majors. You do not get more judgmental than this crowd. Like... The kids in a choir at a private Christian college and our music majors, like, they are all judging you whether they know what to do or not, if they can do the same thing or not. They're just, like, waiting for you to, like, make a fool of yourself. And I started it in 3-4, and it should have been in 4-4. Four, four. Um, thankfully, uh, the accompanist was very forgiving, and I got to start over. <laughs> but I remember that, and ever since then, I haven't liked that piece. <laughs> but you know what's amazing, though, is you think you think back on that, and you know how that molded you to be to, to overcome that. Now look at your writing music, and, and yeah. you've, mm-hmm. you you know, in a lot of people's eyes, you you know, you've you've come yeah, a long you, way. Well, you you yeah. you've mastered uh, mm-hmm. something that that. Uh, because setbacks are good. I mean, those kind of mistakes mm-hmm. are good. 
and if you turn them if you turn them into making something big like you did that's Mm -hmm. good it's just like there's it's one thing to be like part of a band on stage with the audience who like you can hardly see because of the lights on the stage and everything like that you make a mistake and you feel kind of like it's not a big deal but this one like i'm standing on the stage facing like 40 people just me Mm -hmm. (laughs) i totally flubbed it it's like you against the world right yeah so that's good gary what about you my most recent one i think it was about a year ago i was accompanying a soloist in church and we started the song and i'd already warmed up i don't know how much before that and got my reed wet and stuff but i went and picked up my sacks and we have a ventilation system in our church that has a tendency to dry things out uh-huh. I didn't cover my reed it was totally dried out and oh, all no. I could do is squeak it that's the only thing I could do so I tried several times and then I, <laughs> I walked off the stage went in the Cairo room got my reed all wet and got it prepped and it came back and joined the song the rest of it was fine but that just makes me paranoid of you know dried out reeds because they don't vibrate when they're dried out so mm-hmm. that's kind of like it harmonic feedback sometimes yeah playing your lead getting that tweak that you don't want it to happen right mm-hmm. yeah yeah or, or the guitarists fear that they'll like get that scrape across their strings in the middle of a song uh, mm-hmm. when they move their fingers mm-hmm. uh acquaintance of mine darren motamity who lives in las vegas he's put out quite a few albums he always uh puts his reeds in a glass of water beforehand and lets them soak only problem with that is then you go to put the reed on it takes a bit to get it adjusted just right you know on the tip of the mouthpiece, so and you have to go through that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I've done that before. A lot so of uh, players in college, mm-hmm. they did that. They had little reed soak cups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it though? What? Is it worth it? Just like possibly. The struggle? Well, if you expect it to dry out, if it's you know there's not much humidity, then mm-hmm. it's probably a good idea. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. I, I uh, take up sex. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, one more. My my senior recital, again, it's kind of like one of those looking back, I didn't really have anybody telling me how I should approach it or guiding me, so I can't be too hard on myself, but I, um, well, one, one, the first mistake I made in, in my senior recital is I left the stage too often. I've seen people do the recitals and they'd like do a couple songs, leave the stage, get a drink of water, come back, like, you know, exit the, and so I was like, oh, you know, I'll just do that. Well, I totally screwed with my momentum and uh, was the wrong decision. So a couple things happened. One, I made a little mistake in my first piece and that totally threw off my, my groove for the rest of the recital. And then I was leaving the stage too often. And then I went to start um, one of my more difficult pieces. It was a, um, one of the was it the Giuliani piece? No, the Giuliani piece actually went really well because that was at the end of my recital and I'd finally gotten kind of a groove going, or it was close to the end. But uh, the I started in on the Bach, I think it was the jig from one of his lute suites, and I played about the first maybe three quarters of the page. I had it memorized, but that's about how much it was, and then my mind just blanked. Oh, I couldn't remember anything, and I couldn't like. You know, so I started over, and I got to the same spot, and I forgot again, and I could not remember the rest of the piece. So I started it one more time, got to the same spot, and could not remember the rest (laughs) of the piece. So I just went on. I was like, this is not, I'm not doing this again. So I, you know, and it's kind of ironic because most people didn't even know that I didn't finish the song. (laughs) But I literally played, like, the first half of the piece three times, 
and then just went on, and I was, I was pretty embarrassed, um, especially when after the recital, one of the professor's comments to me was, you tackled some really difficult music, and I was like, <laughs> this is not a compliment, like, <laughs> that is like a, you know, like, you did an admirable job, <laughs> code for that really stank, but points for trying. It's <laughs> like, uh, you know, when somebody tells you, like, you have a really unique style. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I worked, I worked really, really hard at that recital, and now, looking back on it, um, I do feel like I did a good job, and I did tackle some really hard music, and so, given what I was working with, I'm really proud of what I did, but at the time, I felt like I'd worked for months and months and months, like, my mom had flown out to Colorado to see me, like, everybody was super excited for me, and I just felt like I botched it, and that was, um, that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> that reminds me, one time I was playing, uh, it was a pastor's conference, and afterwards, there, there was a meal, and some pastor uh, commented to me, he goes, you really like playing a lot, don't you? Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I should take that. Uh, and then I heard somebody pass through the grapevine that I play too much. Not the same thing. So I'm like, so I probably did, but I thought that was pretty rude to say yeah. so. But, yeah. But it stuck in my mind too that, you know, especially horn players have tendency in like worship music to play over the top and play too much you're supposed to blend in so mm -hmm. it was always a reminder to me afterwards to to be conscious of not playing too much drives me crazy yeah. when people think that making comments like that could be helpful like people i don't know like i always used to get in school like comments about my voice like oh your voice just isn't there yet it's not ready oh you're you know, you're mumbling or different things like that, but it was never constructive. It was always right. like, I really needed somebody to go, okay, yeah. you need to learn to sing in your mixed voice. You need to, you mm -hmm. know, you know, like, like give me some things to do. And it, instead it was just like, nope, you're not good enough. Bummer. Mm -hmm. And it was something I could have worked on. I could have fixed it. I've fixed it now um, that I've had some more instruction and people actually telling me, mm -hmm. but it's like people think that they just can just say, I don't know. Like, yeah, that drives you know, me you crazy. Know, have a relationship with them, you know? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> something I like about Eric, Eric Marion's alma new teacher is his critiques are always very constructive. So mm -hmm. you did really, he'll start with a compliment and then he'll say, I think you need to work on this aspect of your playing and your practicing. But then he'll give you another compliment. It's like a sandwich. Yeah, it is, yeah. So he knows how to, how to do a critique so you feel okay about it, you know. And, and yeah. Come away with, oh, okay, I need to work on this. Yeah. Steven? Yeah. One of one of my most embarrassing moments that I keep thinking about was uh, in fourth grade. Uh-oh. One of the things, I wasn't really a musician then, but there was a school play, like the spring play or something, and I was high up on the risers, like, on stage. Way high up, very back. And they didn't think... Like, the risers at this school, the private Christian school, were not risers that we think of them nowadays. They didn't look like bleachers. They were like these big boxes, essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was no railing or anything behind them. And I was so... I'm like... Something like I get eight feet up or something <laughs> like that. I think I see where this is and, going. Uh, <laughs> and, like, behind me is just, like, this space all the way down to the tile floor. And... You know, there's like a mic stand or something with nothing on it. Like I'm thinking, like if I fall, I'm going to be <laughs> impaled on this thing. <laughs> and we're 
uh, or s <laughs> singing, and this is the performance. I managed to make it through all of the uh, rehearsals without injuring myself and falling off. Oh, no. And the girl in front of me, I remember her name was Beth. She didn't think to go to the bathroom before the performance. Uh-oh. About halfway through, I smell something. I, I oh, looked no. down and she peed <laughs> all over the riser. Oh, and, all, and all like down the back of her dress, too. Oh. And like, <clears throat> and it stank, you know. She was probably the thing is, and we were like, but there's like choreography. We're supposed to move back and forth. So not only were we like moving and everything, and she had peed, she starts backing up. Tail <laughs> mate's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> she started backing up. I started like backing up a little bit, and soon I had like no more room, and she's like. The pee girl is about to push me off the riser. <laughs> and I slipped on the pee. And I was sure that, like, this is the end. I'm like, 10 years old, this is the end. You know, my friend who was standing right next to me caught me by the shirt collar. Oh my gosh. And pulled me back up. It was like a superhero moment. And I was like, well, I'm all the way in the back. Maybe nobody saw that. And then one of the things we always got to do is the, the uh, performances were always videotaped and we got to watch it on VHS. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, some weeks later and nope, it was there. You could see me, see me, see me and then suddenly I was gone. Back <laughs> 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 like a minute later. <laughs> Everyone turns to me and is like, that's when I saved your life. <laughs> we should invite Beth and ask her what her most embarrassing moment was. Exactly. <laughs> a good thing VHS didn't have too good a slow motion then. Right. <laughs> or like high resolution to see, because like we could see the entire choir. So, you know, I, I, I didn't tell anyone. I felt like telling people. Because I thought that she almost killed me. So I felt like telling people. <laughs> but I didn't. I was nice. I didn't tell anybody that she peed herself and then almost killed me. <laughs> of course, now you're broadcasting it to the world. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. well, you know, what goes around comes around. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Beth. He feels that. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that's the most embarrassing moments. Here's the question I have is, how do you deal with that? Because I, I talked about Barbara Streisand. Her way of dealing with it was it became so crippling that she stopped performing. She went and saw a therapist for her stage fright and to this day never performs without a teleprompter for all of her lyrics and her between song banter with the audience is all hmm. on a prompt. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, that might be extreme. But how do you reconcile your embarrassing moments yeah I just tell myself it didn't happen enough times <laughs> and then eventually I start believing it like <laughs> it doesn't sound like it works but it does like at least for me it does I'm just weird like that no I mean I think there's something to like professional denial <laughs> well, I, I think there's something to choosing to move past it though mm -hmm, right yeah. choosing to go it didn't, you know, maybe you can't forget that it happened, but saying, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
it's you know and even you know it didn't have for pra- all practical purposes it didn't happen mm-hmm. i'm moving past this and i'm going to choose to let it not i'm gonna <laughs> choose to not let it impact me in yeah. the future yeah yeah I, I think like i said earlier just grow growing from it mm-hmm. in a positive way if you, you know uh, but like virus strike i mean can you who could imagine somebody that with that that talent uh, mm-hmm. could let this def- defeat her in that area uh, i don't know she's maybe she's just, it's just you can't how do you overcome that when it's it's just mm-hmm. a stigma or something in her mind that's just blocking her from you know breaking out of that mm-hmm. yeah. you know you always deal with it like van morrison does right van morrison <laughs> Stage fright so bad he puts his head between his legs. We talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. Me. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Van Halen, who dealt with his uh, stage fright and being embarrassed by uh, starting to drink heavily at the age of 12. Uh, at his dad's behest. Eddie Van Halen's dad said, here's how you deal with it, and gave him a bottle. Um, mm. Yeah. He's since gotten clean, but... Probably not a good parenting skill, I'm guessing. <laughs> not, not exactly. Wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I, I personally deal with it with humor. Um, we had a pretty embarrassing moment as a group, the very first performance mm-hmm. we had out mm-hmm. in Aberdeen, yeah. where we totally biffed the beginning of a song. We played the intro and then just stopped. We collectively stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I just turned to the audience and I made a joke out of it and ask them to give us a second to restart and now you know you watch if you watch the video of it or anything like that it comes off funny it was pretty smooth it was mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. you know so i've always tried to deal with it with humor i've also found that your embarrassing moments and uh your mistakes on stage will go away if either you don't pay attention to them at all like mid-song we talked about that uh mm-hmm. just playing through the mistakes and not showing it but if there's a mistake that you can't ignore audiences will be pretty forgiving if you have a good attitude about mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know not like uh, people like Axl Rose if he hit a bum note he had a penchant for just like walking off stage and not coming back mm. you know you could always smash mm. your guitar and then they'll think that part of the stage act although yeah. then you don't yeah. have a guitar <laughs> Axel Rose such a weird person such a drama queen like shaves his eyebrows he's a white guy with cornrows like what is he doing <laughs> yeah. I think um, just talking about it you know with other people too and recognizing that we've all got those moments I think mm-hmm. watching my students perform for the first time and you know if they biff it or you know have a bad performance or whatnot a lot of times you know they're 12 or 14 and they feel like they're the only person in the world that has had that happen to them and I can sit down and go okay here's a list of my (laughs) you know my most embarrassing moments and I think that it helps to some extent um it's always really stings right afterwards and sometimes there's nothing you can do about that but um just talking about it and and recognizing that everybody has those moments Mm -hmm. and that there is a you know, you can get back up again and, um, and, uh, keep, you know, it's just, everybody does. We were at a staff meeting for our studio last night and one of the teachers was like, 
um, yeah, my last recital went good. Only one kid cried. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, you know, it's just inevitable um, that we're going to make, you know, have those embarrassing moments at some point. And so um, being open about it and not just like, you know, I don't know, letting it build up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about yes. you? You, 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 Letty, you talked a little bit about learning from it. Do you have any other coping techniques? Like, what did you think when you talked about that bass solo you had that just went south? <laughs> well, what the sad thing is, is that I've done it, uh, you know, probably one or two times before that, and, and, I, and I actually got worse. <laughs> but I, so, uh, I, I think, I think uh, when it hits you like that, you just, you just learn to, you learn how to keep the tempo. Uh, and, and and I think you, it just it goes to show how much you rely on drums. Yeah. Because the drums weren't there during that time. That you know mm-hmm. it was one of those things where you were just on mm-hmm. your own. And uh, you know the only thing to keep your, you know your ticker going was your, your thinking. You know, and uh, you know I and, and I got so good and fast at doing it that I thought well you know faster must be better I guess in the back of my mind but it's not true it's it's. No. Uh, you know, some and, and it, in that case, less would have been more. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's that's one thing to learn from it. Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, trying to get too fancy sometimes uh, can be a train wreck. You know, yeah, yeah. simpler is mm-hmm. often better. That is right. a mm-hmm. major takeaway, especially for live playing. You know, it it's just should be a rule of thumb if you're worried at all about how you're going to come off just dumb it down mm-hmm. yeah makes me think of i watched a couple of, when you're when i was working in downtown seattle they have like a summer fest and different bands playing for free out in this in the city and i went and listened to one and a horn player was playing pretty simplistic stuff and i'm like oh i you know i was hoping to hear something more technical and then i went and heard another band and the horn player was trying to play stuff he really couldn't play it's overextending and that was kind of a reminder to me. It's better to play simpler stuff that you are half down solid, than rather mm-hmm. trying to stretch yourself beyond what you can do in a performance. Mm-hmm. That's fine to do when you're practicing, but um, yeah. yeah, that's that's very true. Right. Yeah, I, I can think of a few examples. <coughs> Excuse me. Now they're much better now, but there's this heavy metal band called Avenged Sevenfold. If you're listening to this progress podcast, I can't imagine you haven't heard the name somewhere. But in 2005, they released this album called City of Evil that was remarkably technical. Remarkably technical. Um, <clears throat> and needlessly complicated. And my friends and I were a pretty big fan of the album, even though now I listen to it and it sounds to me pretty childish. And we saw them and we felt like they just really kind of sucked alive. Like, they had written these songs that were way over their own heads, their abilities. Uh, since then, they've kind of simplified their songwriting, and they're, they've built a reputation as being really excellent live. But back maybe about 13 years ago, it was kind of a different case. Hmm. Yeah. Gary, what do you do to uh, cope with embarrassment? Turn red. <laughs> well, you're doing that anyway the other night with that heat lamp, like on your yeah. face. I was already pre baked, you know. So. <laughs> no need to feel embarrassed. Yeah. Exactly. 
All right. Well, let's see if we can switch gears here. I feel like we've really covered that topic pretty well. And we can start doing an, our typical icebreaker question. Just give us one quick second here. The nature of doing a podcast is oftentimes improvising on the go, just like blues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, do an icebreaker question. Lenny, you haven't done this with us yet, but it's kind of Max Brainchild. <laughs> we just kind of ask a, a random question. Sometimes it's more music related, sometimes it's not related to that at all. Um, so here's my icebreaker question for all of you. If your fingers could be made out of any kind of junk food, <laughs> what would it be and why? There has to be a why. Bugles. <laughs> because they're like claws. And if I wasn't hungry, I could use them like regular fingers. So it would be helpful and delicious. Plus you're a trumpet player. Yeah. It, it just kind of it's fitting. You know, bugle, horn, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, let's, I'm a That's huge a good one. I'm a huge dip person like salsa like um, spinach and artichoke dip like it just you know dips or like sour cream and onion so I definitely like tortilla chips because tortilla chips are really just the vehicle for getting the dip in your mouth. Yeah. So if well, I that's had fingers, dirty. this is a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of chew when I said dip. <laughs> Way to ruin it, gosh. <laughs> Come on, Steven. I just, I just, now it just sounds dirty. <laughs> I just really like my. No, I, I, I'm trying to picture it like. <laughs> I'm trying to picture it. And you probably would have to have like tortilla strips because you yeah, have have like those like mission this. tortilla strips. Yeah, because yeah. you wouldn't have like enough room for the uh, full like. Unless triangle. they were backwards. Even it's backwards, that would be it'd be like flippers. So they'd have to be like replenishing. Like they'd have to grow back as soon as you like bit it, it off. Yeah. So yeah. You, like. I get where you're coming from. Thanks. I get you. I Thanks. get you. I, I would I have to say. That. I would have to say Twizzlers. Ooh. Twizzlers. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Twizzlers. I, I like red vines, but can you imagine like the peel apart Twizzlers as fingers just flopping all around? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could peel them and just whoosh, like slapping somebody would be enormously fun. <laughs> yeah, you tease the cats too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the cats would love you. Yeah, Twizzlers for fingers. That's why I use string cheese so I can feed my dog at the same time. Yeah, you'd never get away from her. <laughs> you are my best friend forever. What about you, Lenny? I, you know, I, I can't think of, of anything. I just, you know, uh, the first thing I think of junk food and, 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 and fingers is, you know, my wife's baking a cake. I just, you know, get some of that frosting before it's <laughs> Frosting fingers. Uh, oh, I, I just love, yeah, that, yeah. But, uh, you know. Make a mess out of your face, it, though. It is. It's, it's, just, you can't, you know, it's just too tempting. You can't You can't do anything about it. It's just, you know, it's it's worth getting yelled at, you know. I mean? <laughs> Actually, she's, she, she's used to it. <laughs> this is like she the serious, in-depth conversations yeah. we plan for these podcasts. <laughs> And Gary, what about you? 
I got my string cheese fingers. What more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, string cheese like a junk food, though. It is, though. It it's is. got, like, a bunch of salt. Like, too much salt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dog likes it, too. It's junky yeah. to me. The, the fact that you could feed it to the dog, that, that just, like, raises so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really a... sure I want to ask those questions. Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I want to point out that, like, you're going to have a problem with the fact that you pick something that needs to be refrigerated. <laughs> this is true. That'd be inconvenient. Just <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, you may not have been expecting that kind of discussion from a music podcast, but if you listen to the whole thing, you know, you that's your own you made it. That's your own fault is what I'm saying. So, Thank you for listening to Talking Smack with Never Monday. Once again, we're playing Capital Lake Fair on July 14th at 3 p.m. in the Heritage Park, downtown Olympia. Please come see us if you're in the area. And check us out uh, at Never Monday Band on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And, of course, this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It's Talking Smack with Never Monday. I'm Steven. Katie. Mac. Gary? Lenny. Thanks for listening. <laughs>